Hello, dear listener. Welcome to the last podcast of this year. Yeah. That was very ominous. I, I've, yes. I've started this off on a weird note. Welcome to the last <laughs> episode of Pixel Splitters from this year. Uh, it yeah. is the last week of December, and we are back. We took a little bit of a break last week to, um, you know, celebrate the holidays and all that kind of stuff and let you listen to the entirety of our uh, superhero podcast. Exactly. Need to let that one breathe a bit. Yeah, yeah. Let everybody get through it. Um, but yeah, so uh, as always, we are your hosts. My name is Willis. And ooh, and my name is Josh. And we're going to do a little bit of a different thing for the end of the year here. And I realize we did a little bit of a different thing last time. But hey, again, as we say so often, this is our podcast. Deal with it. It's evolving. You know? Yes. Um, so we'll get into what it is uh, in a little bit. But Josh, why don't you start us off and talk about a couple pieces of content that you have been consuming the past two weeks, two weeks, weeks, whatever. Yes, it has been quite an eventful two weeks, too. Um, lots of movies came out. And one of those movies that I consumed uh, was The Matrix Resurrection, which mm-hmm. debuted. I, I didn't know for some reason. This just like lost, like fell out of my brain that it was doing a simultaneous release, or maybe they changed it halfway yeah. through because I didn't realize it was also coming to HBO. So I was like, oh, oh well, yeah, I'll it see was, it later on. It was um, part of its uh, their whole all releases thing, which made sense. But I, I was like, ah, you know, things are coming back. Maybe they they just scrapped that idea. But no, it was on HBO Max, yep. and it was a movie i i it's one of those movies that have come out in the past few weeks that is deserving of a second and maybe even a third watch to fully grasp what's happening yeah but i mean it's really nice to see keanu reeves and carrie ann moss back again regardless of what happens yeah um i think technically the movie is incredibly made it's you know lana obviously knows what she's doing and this is very very clearly her movie which i can also appreciate too it's it's nothing that didn't come from her brain specifically. And you'll know what I mean as soon as you start watching it. So that's my yeah. first piece of content here, Matrix Resurrection. My second piece of content, and this is because I rewatched this movie over the last couple of weeks, and the soundtrack just blows me away. And this is with every Wes Anderson movie, but the soundtrack to the Royal Tenenbaums is like mm. so, so unbelievably curated and handpicked to the point where you're like, how does this man know this much music? Like, how does this even happen here? Um, I mean, you've got classics to things I've never heard before, but it's a good it's it's a good soundtrack to throw on if you're driving around. That's what I've figured oh, out nice. over the past 14 days is just toss <laughs> on the entire soundtrack and let it run because it is let it do um, its thing. Let it do its thing, man, and you will be you'll be a tenant bomb. Uh, whether that's a good or a bad thing, <laughs> that's up to you. So uh, so yeah, those are my two pieces of content what do you got this week willis uh so i got a couple here um the first one is a movie also that just came out this past week uh that i watched called don't look up Mm. which i was a little disappointed in i think it's a very Mm. polarizing movie from what i've been reading yeah there's uh there's a lot going on there and i kind of feel like it's weird after after watching it i appreciate it more than while I was watching it. I think Mm. overall the tone it was going for it nailed 100%. I think it could have been about half an hour shorter. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. It is long, isn't it? But it's, yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that I'm like, this is just building to something that doesn't really pay up. But yeah. um, yeah. So like a solid, I don't know, like three stars from me. Um, Yeah. 
Yeah. So don't look up on Netflix, uh, not Christmas Day. It was on Netflix Christmas Eve. The other the other item that I will put out there that I've been consuming a lot of the past couple weeks is uh, Community. Yes. I found out on Thanksgiving that my mom was watching Community and my mom will watch like one or two every few days or so. Yeah. Um, so it's a slow burn, but oh man, it turned my wife and I back onto it, and like we've been watching a ton of it just because it's a great show. It really is. It is the Russo brothers cutting their teeth and just like Dan Harmon given just excellent, <laughs> excellent setups and and yeah, and all that kind of stuff. It's very um, clear to see where these these. It's really funny to watch like where all of these people have taken their careers. Because yeah. it's very clearly like there's some there's ridiculous amounts of talent on and off yeah. screen when it comes to this show that it's just so underrated. Like it's, and the, yeah. the like <laughs> the the episodes they do that are like stylized like certain movies are like oh it's incredible to think that somebody has this strong of a grasp on what makes a genre movie a genre movie for any genre for any um, genre. Yes, while inside yes. a sitcom about a college. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, and that, yeah, it's so it just it's great. Um, we're into the last season, still waiting uh, for the movie. Hashtag six seasons in a movie. Six seasons uh, in a movie. But yeah, so that is my uh, content that I've been consuming this week. Beautiful. So, with that, let me give you a let. Let us tell our our listeners here what we're sort of lining up for this episode. While Josh and I were prepping for our previous episode of top and bottom five superhero movies, a question came across our plates that we both kind of chewed on and both kind of had a lot of different thoughts on. And that is, has the superhero genre had a negative or a positive impact on the film industry? Mm -hmm. Are they a good thing or are they a bad thing? And that is a very complex question because there are a lot of things that are great about superhero movies. There are a lot of things that are not so great about superhero movies. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of things kind of teeter on the edge on which way you look at it, you know. From one standpoint, it could be good and another completely awful, so. Exactly. So we're going to take this entire episode to dig into this question and see if we can't come to some kind of understanding I don't think we'll end up with like a, oh, yes, superhero movies are good. Yeah, definitively, this is the answer. Because yeah, <laughs> it's not so black and white. Yeah. But it's going to be an interesting thing to break down. So. Definitely. Let's uh, let's dive into it. Okay, so how do we dive into this? <laughs> so I think we should start by just going over one of the and this I don't have the stats on if this was the fastest billion dollars reached of any movie. I would have to imagine it is probably if not close to it. I think maybe Endgame did it. I think Endgame beat it. I think Endgame did it in like its first week. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, regardless, we're talking about the latest in the MCU Sony Pictures crossover whatever the hell they're calling it now universe. Yes. That is Spider-Man No Way Home. Yes. Which unsurprisingly crushed the box office, crushed every other movie that came out this year by at least $300 million. I think I saw the last yep. I think James Bond was around $700 million worldwide. And yep. Spider-Man just hit, 
I think, $1.05 billion in the past yeah. less than two weeks, which, I mean... Well, and it's interesting in terms of comparing it versus Endgame. It's like, yeah, Endgame got there faster, but like yeah. Spider-Man 3 here is in pandemic dollars. Like, Right. You know, it's... it's yes. You know, we always say, oh, top movies of all time adjusted for inflation or whatever. I'm like, there's an adjustment to be had here of like this would all things being equal. This would have probably crushed Endgame. Um, totally. And this was not simultaneously released. It was only you could only see yep. it in theaters. Also, the buzz around this movie, I think, surpassed what Endgame had just because this I think absolutely is dragging in people who didn't give a shit about the MCU at all. Who like my dad, who didn't watch anything past like, you know, Iron Man. He's like, yeah. oh, my he was texting me about this for two days. No he doesn't spoilers. text me for two days. No, 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 nothing about that. But for two days. And I was like, are you kidding me? That must have yeah. had a, a, a severe impact on him. Well, and there and, are things, there were things that were unknown going into this, which I think had a yeah. uh, a lot of impact on it, but. 100%. And this kind of leads us to the big question that we pointed at the beginning, like, is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? And now it's interesting because we're now obviously in COVID, so any theater performance is, I would consider to be a good thing just because I love theaters and don't want them to go yeah. away. But in the grand scheme of things, is Spider-Man outperforming everything, even the other Marvel movies, which honestly, some of them, like Eternals and Shang-Chi, are like on the low end of the high grocers for this year. Like F9 surpassed them. Well, Um, so, you know, that's the big argument, I think, that we can sort of kick off with here is like, okay, superhero movies, and like, I'll, I'll set this off like debate prep kind of thing, but like superhero movies have to be great because they do massive numbers yeah and i think this is the key to sort of take home on this point here is people go to see these movies like yeah you know the number of mcu but also just regular films that have crossed a billion dollars regular films non-mcu superhero films that have crossed a billion dollars is a huge number you know, I think it's like 14 have crossed a billion dollars in the past 20 years. Like something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people like these are popular. Yeah. Like very, very, very popular. Yeah. Which you start at Iron Man and move forward. You know, again, back to my last thing, pre post mm-hmm. Iron Man. Uh, yeah. We won't talk about pre Iron Man, but no, no, no. Uh, well, we might, but not right now. Well, we might. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> well, those were a very different time. But exactly. <laughs> Like post Iron Man, these films started gaining traction and gaining popularity and especially into Avengers and and Justice League to a degree, like mm-hmm. gaining massive followings that paid off every time you got another installment. So like right. from if you look so okay, to start here, if we're looking at a financial success metric, yeah. Superhero movies have been a boon on the industry. Yeah. It's something that's generated box office, but also a ton of TV shows have spun mm-hmm. off into this. A ton of stars have spun off into this. Like it, you know, makes and breaks careers. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Like what's, what's your thoughts around like from a, from a financial point of view? Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's, you kind of need to break it up. Like when we talk about success, obviously there's critical success and there's financial success. Yeah. There's other kinds. But when it comes to movies, like those are the two metrics that people like to talk about. And some movies that are massive critical, most of the movies that are massive critical 
uh, like hits or acclaimed hits. They're not financially successful like these are. Yeah. So I think that yes, the financial gain is good because at this point in our like consumer-minded way and capitalism way, like that's that's yeah. what these studios are going to push like throw a bunch of money at. But I think that it starts to, when art becomes a product, and we've already kind of gotten sort of to that place, but when art becomes 100% a product and it's just for, like, what can we make back on this, which Mm -hmm. you can argue blockbusters are in that position already, that becomes dangerous for the entire industry because then they're not looking at what stories are going to, I don't want to use the Academy as like a metric here, but what are going to gain acclaim what movies are actually going to be yeah. great works of art at one point. Not that, you know, I'm sure the, you know, the first Iron Man or Avengers might be in that category as well, just because of what they've done socially and culturally, but it becomes really dangerous when it just becomes about the numbers. And when we're like, Oh, this, this movie passed a billion, like we we're talking about avatar. It did take avatar a while to cross $2 billion because they did re-releases yes. and stuff like that. It wasn't just first round. Here we go. So it, it for me it's more it becomes it, it becomes scary for what other movies could be. I I am a huge like we just did a whole podcast about movie <laughs> yeah. superhero movies. I love superhero movies. I think they're great ways to convey messages in a way that doesn't have to be super turn your brain on 100% and really dive into what's going on. Cerebral, here. yeah. Exactly. Like you, you don't have to do that with those, which I also think is so important because Right now, people want to go to the movie to be entertained. They don't want to go to be taught a lesson. They don't want to go to be beaten over the head with, which, like we talked about earlier, I think that's why Don't Look Up got a lot of people pissed off because they're like, well, this is a satire, but it's really just what's happening right now. So I think, you know, it felt like them beating themselves over the head, you know. That's an interesting thought of, like, is all of this kind of popcorn cinema stuff more, like, popular now because the world is a nightmare? You know, you know, like I think there's <laughs> something to be said for that, like escapism and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think that might qualify into like the continued rise of like the superhero genre. And sure. it's it's interesting. I, I do feel like we have to make sure we're making the distinction between the superhero genre and just the blockbuster genre. Yeah, totally. Because like, you know, you get things like Jurassic Park and other and Fast 9 and other franchises and things like that. It's like. Yep. A slightly different conversation. Yeah, yeah. But not terribly so. I think it's because superhero, the superhero genre as it stands, it's become more than a genre, which is weird. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not just like a Western, like, you can have a Western superhero movie. That's what Logan is. You can have a horror movie. That's what Brightburn is. Like, you can have a found footage movie. That's Chronicle. Like, you can have these movies that kind of transcend what being a super, like, it's just kind of a... I don't even know what you'd call it, like a, a story device, like a plot device to have these people have powers and make people, oh, I understand what that is. Let yeah. me get into that. You know, it's one of those Well, things. so that's an interesting thing that I sort of like, I toyed with when I was, I was considering this question. Like, mm-hmm. superhero movies are like the current big thing, but like the the mentality around them is not exactly new. Like when you talk about Westerns or like sci-fi or things like that, when you look at the good, the bad and the ugly or um, dirty Harry or alien or, you know, these people don't have powers per se. Like it's not explicit, but like, yeah, you get the Western guy who can like 
nail somebody between the eyes faster than anyone else from right. you know, 30 paces. Like that's it's we're, we're having the same conversation. Totally. You know, so it's one of the like the superhero movie thing, I, I think. And I don't know if this is a pro or a con. And I feel like I'm going to say that about 30 different times <laughs> in this episode. But like, I don't know if this is a pro or a con, but like it's just. It's, it's like the current incarnation of the same trope that has been in the film industry for its entire life. Exactly. Exactly. So I feel like we just covered six different things here, but I'm like, let's, let's go back to this. So we said financially, yeah. like, hell yeah, it's a boon. Like no one yeah. can argue that superhero movies cost studios money. Mm-hmm. Although I would be interested to break that down because I'm like, yeah, Spider-Man broke a billion dollars, but how much did it like? cost true you with know, like the mar- end of the day with the marketing, marketing and like all that kind of th- i'm like true and like true. is that percentage like say it made like 60 percent higher than its total cost or whatever i'm throwing numbers out there but sure. like is it that unfeasible that a five million dollar movie could make you know could what i mean you, you get what i'm saying like, thi- the, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like the math just on a much smaller scale might <clears throat> still be a feasible number you know, totally. But, like, mm-hmm. but anyway, so financially, like, I, there's no real argument that, like, for the the bean counters of Hollywood, hell yeah, anything superhero. It's go, even right? the worst superhero movies. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was looking through it, and Captain America made 179 million, I believe, and it was cost 140. The first one. Yeah. So first I'm like, Avengers. even that, which I barely remember. Yeah. And Thor, same thing. I barely, like, the phase one was a little rocky, but yeah. even those were financially successful enough for them to be like, oh, okay, let's continue this. And obviously Iron Man was going to be a success no matter what. Well, and you get things like Ant-Man and Ant-Man 2 there that are, and Ant-Man and the Wasp, that are like, it's weird because the continuation of those at this point doesn't really necessarily have to be a financial thing. No. I'm trying to think if there's been any sequels that have been derailed because they're like it's it's not going to make any money I can't, not in the mcu that i can think of at least i don't think so they kind of take it as it goes i mean i i think what they've realized is no matter what it's going to make some money back just because people are afraid to lose out on the story like regardless of what's going on yeah like moon knight who the, who knows who could be great yeah. could be dog shit either way people are going to go see that because they're going to be like oh i've invested 27 movies i'm i'm in yeah. 27 movies five tv shows i'm going to watch this just because i don't want all of that to be in vain type of thing so even yeah. if that's the case they're going to get a substantial amount of people because of that which is really interesting like just built Carryover, in yeah like you have to if you don't watch this like you're getting fomo you're like what what did i miss here like what's going on yeah well it's interesting cuz it's like okay so there's this built-in level of people that are going to come yeah that are going to watch this like i think of like hawkeye or something like that there's like totally or what if i think is a good example because what if yeah. probably not the wider appeal that a lot of the other things have being animated no. being not based on any established franchise really like mm mm-hmm. Totally. So the MCU or Kevin Feige and friends have got to have a sense of, okay, there's going to be X number of people that are built in that are going to watch whatever we put out. And then there's Y number of, hey, hashtag math podcast. Then there's Mm -hmm. Y number of um, people that like we're going to try and get as high a percent of those people that are like, oh, yeah, okay, I might. And then there's the people that aren't going to watch it at all. 
Right, um, right. So financially, that becomes like a question of like, what do we do to reach that Y middle group? Um, right, right. I've kind of lost my thread there, but like, I don't know. I'm coming. I'm getting hung up on this thing. I there's no argument to be had against the financial stuff. No, even the worst ones make money. Like even yeah. the absolute stinkers, they still pull in profit. Like, <laughs> so the thing we have to do from there is ask, what are the other aspects that are going to affect this? And you had yeah. said earlier, there's financial and then critical acclaim. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. Yeah. And let me pose it this way to you. Has the superhero genre changed the definition of a critical success? You know, weirdly enough, I don't think that it has because I don't think across the board anyone includes Avengers Endgame in the greatest movies of all time. I just don't think that's possible. I think spectacle and I think like cultural relevance is so much more mm-hmm. important than, oh, this is a a movie that could win 10 Academy Awards. It's weird because they found themselves in this place where, at least MCU, I'm, I'm talking strictly MCU, the DCEU has gone off the rails to <laughs> where I don't know what they're yeah. doing at this point. I feel like we can say that, like, for the most part here, we're going to be talking about the MCU, if for no other reason than it's the most successful. It's definitely successful, yeah. And, like... If there's any argument, sorry, I'm totally stealing. No, no, no. Here, but like, if there's any <laughs> argument to be made against superhero movies being positive for the film industry, you have to compare it against the MCU because you can say, yeah, like the DCU is ridiculous. Like, it's a terrible right. thing for, and like, you can't argue with that because, yeah, like, it's not successful. No, in no way. But like, <laughs> but the MCU is, yeah, unarguably successful. Um, right from a financial point of view but like exactly which automatically catapults them to the top like if we're talking the dark knight if we're talking like christopher nolan's trilogy those are much more of a like a true film experience than anything that the mcu has put out because nolan's a filmmaker who gets to do what he wants to whereas the same with like logan and yeah Oh, Logan too. But again, James Mangold, like you're giving it to a filmmaker who who was like, okay, I want to do a really cool movie here that doesn't yeah. have studio interference all over it and stuff. Whereas now, like the MCU has found themselves in a spot where they can kind of just do, like they have a conveyor belt going. Like there's no yeah. deviation from tone or style or color grading or literally anything. I think the ones that come closest to that are like, James Gunn's like movies I think they yeah. have their own pop and Taika's uh, Ragnarok has a little bit but it's still very clearly a Marvel film so I and think that's they... even leaning deeper into like the pop kind of mentality exactly. the MC already has established yeah right so I think that they've put themselves in a place where they can't be critically successful because they don't deviate from what they're go what they have going and the ones that do logan i don't know if that 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 might have been up for awards i'm not 100 percent sure but i feel like black panther was up for academy awards mm, for like v- visual effects well i mean they're all they're like all of them oh sure for sure. visual effects and stuff like that but i <clears throat> yeah. feel like in terms of its actual i mean it could have been actually because that would have made sense of all the films that have come out that that could do it black panther would be one of them but again, like Ryan Coogler, it had 
it still very much had the Marvel kind of ness to it that gloss over everything that you go, oh, this is clearly a Marvel movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it did, it got seven Oscar nominations for costume design, production design, sound editing, sound mixing, and original score and original song. So, like, wow, original score. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, man, have you, you got, go back and listen to the Black Panther score, man. It's clearly I have to. Okay, so let's go back. Let's go back to um, <laughs> critical acclaim for for films, for yes. superhero films. Um, I think they can. I mean, like there was critical acclaim for Logan and things like that, but it's not. You're you're totally right. It's not. It's not the important same to them. Like vein. I don't think they care. I think they're like, if we can get a billion dollars a movie, then screw yeah. the Oscars. Like <laughs> we'll keep. Well, cranking and that's these the thing out. is, it's like. The goal of these is not necessarily great filmmaking. The goal of these is dollar dollar bills, mass appeal, something that's just down the line, kind of in the middle. So you're yeah. not like oh overly stylized or underly stylized. It's just right down the middle. Which this Spider-Man movie is a perfect. Yeah, these Spider-Man movies have been the most lackluster in terms of style, and this mm-hmm. one is kind of no different. I'm like, it's a the movie experience is great, but. Yeah, stylish style wise, I'm like I couldn't pick out a shot from this or or Infinity War. It's the same thing. Like there's no yeah. deviation here. Yeah. Um. But same color grade. Grade. Like yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So okay. Critical acclaim is something that's never really gonna like step up in terms of the superhero genre, save for fringe cases. You know, exception proves the rule kind of stuff. Like. Sure. When the MCU gets so big that they have smaller side things that they're like. Yeah, like, let's make a whatever movie that doesn't really have to be a player in the MCU. Let's make a Kate Bishop movie or let's make a. Yeah, yeah we're putting out 10, 15 movies a month, a year. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it's kind of like what um, not the Inhumans, the the New Mutants could have been the new mutants, something like yeah. that. Well, and the New turn, Mutants you know. <laughs> was in that same vein as like, oh, here's Logan, which is a superhero movie that's a Western. And yeah. then New Mutants was like, oh, here's a superhero movie that's a horror film. Yeah. Like here, the genre defining, but yep. So if superhero movies are never going to be a critically acclaimed kind of thing, Mm -hmm. is that in itself? So, okay, here's what we've got so far. Mm -hmm. Money always going to be good for money. Yeah. Filmmaking or critical acclaim, not going to be great. A lot of technical wins for that. Totally. Um, Mm-hmm. That's one of the big notes I have here is it these movies definitely move technology forward in a big 100%. way. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. the de-aging effects on a oh lot of these films are next level. Um unbelievable. And just like the overall grand scale battle sequences, like they they've revolutionized what people can do now. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. In this it's interesting in the same way it kind of has like Lord of the Rings, which like again, arguably like Maybe a superhero-esque movie, but anyway. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So so here's what we've got so far. So financially, always going to be a plus mm-hmm. until there'll be a turn at some point where they're like, oh, these don't make money anymore. Sure. Uh, critical acclaim, probably not. So those two things, is that a plus or a minus for filmmakers? Which I think is the real big question of like, we pose this of have these have a positive or a negative impact on the film industry? Yeah. The question becomes positive or negative for filmmakers in the film industry. 
Well, it's interesting because we have a a good example of this happening right this year, which was Chloe Zhao directing The Eternals, going from Oscar Best Picture winning to The Eternals, which was not one of the higher grossing or critically acclaimed Marvel movies. At this point, I don't think that it is necessarily a positive. Financially, sure, but if we're talking about filmmakers, and I don't know, you know, I'm not like a critically acclaimed filmmaker, so I don't know what they're after, whether it's the money, true, uh, whether it's the money or it's the acclaim or just making something that's worthwhile. I felt like Chloe Zhao was more on like the, let's make something that means something to people. Yeah. I think that this tainted... Not necessarily her reputation, but what people think about her as a filmmaker in a way that I don't yeah. think is amazing. And but there's filmmakers like um, John Watts that it catapulted them the other direction. Where I'm like, oh man, this guy can make a movie, yeah. you know? So yeah. it's weird. Where it puts I, you, I, on, it puts them on your radar. Exactly. I'm like, I yeah, didn't know who John way. Watts was, and like he did three Spider-Man movies, one of which was one of my favorites ever. So it's like there's no, there's it, it kind of goes both. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> um, continue. But it kind of goes both ways on that. So I overall, I think it's not positive because so it's it's yeah. hilarious because I have almost the exact point for point argument that you just laid yeah. out <laughs> there on my on my notes here. Yeah. And like yeah. <laughs> Chloe Zhao, like early, early to say, but there's also Kathy Yan who did yeah, Birds Kathy of Prey, mm-hmm. who was like a really big up and coming director. And I think we've talked about this on this podcast before, but like yeah. is a person who made a really good film. Mm-hmm. The industry decided that they were like an up and coming director or whatever, yeah. and they were rewarded with a superhero property. Yeah. Like an or MCU I'll say, superhero or say, property. Yeah. Well, no, I mean Birds of Prey, but like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, like that was like, here is your next step, and that's it's tough because there's there's two sides of this. Like, yeah, like Kathy Yan Yun Yan. I don't Yan. remember. Yan. Yan. I, th- I think it's Yan. Yan. Yeah, yeah. Hasn't made a movie since. Birds of Prey, which given only a couple of years ago, not a huge thing. She directed an episode of Succession, like cool, but like true, true, cooled her up and coming trajectory. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, and I think Chloe Zhao is getting a, a similar kind of thing. I don't know what she has on the docket, but like, maybe not the best sophomore installment for her. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it's a real negative is when you make your great first film and then you're like, here's this huge tentpole thing. Mm-hmm. That can really contain you and can cause you to make not a great film through no fault of your own, through like a studio interference thing or kind of that, or being Mm -hmm. like tied to pre-established IP and pre-established themes, et cetera. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's going to be really, really damaging to filmmakers. I would love it if they, you know, were like, Hey, yeah, here's, you know, you've made four or five movies. You're well-established. Now it's time for you to step up into like a property. Totally. Um, but there's a flip side to that because these films, if they're well-received, if they're I don't want to say good movie, but like if they're well received, if they're like have a positive reaction, they can catapult you further than you ever could with it. Like your own sophomore thing, Chris Nolan being the obvious option here Mm -hmm. um, or example here, but also the Russo brothers, like Mm 
mm-hmm. you know, like that kind of thing. And then also Taika Waititi. <clears throat> yeah. You know, yeah. like arguably like established to a degree, had had done a handful of things, you know, what we do in the shadows, shout out. But Thor Ragnarok really, and the same as you were saying with John Watts, Thor Ragnarok really put him on the map of a ton of people. Yeah. Yes. To the degree that his next film was a movie where he plays Hitler to a young Hitler youth. Like that is a hard sell for any studio executive. Like that's, yeah, that's (laughs) up for best picture. (laughs) Yeah. And like, well, and that's the thing. And they were like, Oh, you did that Thor Ragnarok. And I'm, I, I don't have insight into this, but like, I'm assuming this is kind of how it went, but like, they went, oh, you did this really, really successful Thor Ragnarok movie that yeah. people really enjoyed. You have this cadence that is unique and kind of showcased there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can take a chance on you doing like a Hitler movie. Right. Hitler right. Comedy. <laughs> um, like that's the kind of thing. It's like that's possible, too. Yeah. So it it's is. with with the filmmaking thing. It's like it's tough because. There are things that are like whatever the swing that you take is, whatever the reaction to it is, is going to be more extreme than like, you know, if you just made your sophomore film and then it was like that, you know, it was a $10 million film and it made $15 million sweet benefit, you know, Mm -hmm. um, let's give you $50 million. Let's give you a hundred million dollars. It's so counterpoint. Go. Well, I don't necessarily have a counterpoint. It's just the fact that I I, I agree with you because well, the counterpoint is built into that argument because on yeah. the one hand, it's it really can go either way. I mean, we saw this early on with like Josh Trank in the Fantastic Four movies where mm-hmm. he didn't get enough, and he's a really talented filmmaker. We saw it with uh, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck with Captain Marvel. I mean, there's like yeah. a lot of these to go around, and it really just comes down to. Do if you trust your filmmakers, let them do a movie. And I think The Eternals is interesting because a lot of people didn't like that movie. And Chloe Zhao, she did her thing on it. It's very clearly her yeah. movie with a very specific style. But now I fear it's turning in the other way where people are like, "Oh, this looks too different from what was going on before," and we need to yeah. know we need more of the same stuff which I think really worked against that movie for her, even though I enjoyed the way that it looked. I'm like, it's not the same old thing that that's happening, but I think that we've sure. been conditioned now to be like, all of these movies are this certain way. I don't know if there is a good, so it, it's like kind of a case by case basis. It reduces tolerance for fringe style kind of. It definitely does that for sure. <clears throat> Cause we were like, because Oh, okay. If, Avengers Endgame is one of the least stylish movies I've ever seen. And it yeah. is like a, a two billion dollar movie um yeah so i don't know i really i i don't know i i hate the fact that these studios take advantage of these new filmmakers because they don't have a voice yet because they can just yeah. push them around they go you have talent but this is we're gonna make this the way that we want to still versus the you know the opposite where it's like oh i'm very curious to see what sam raimi brings to dr strange because that's a hundred percent going to be his movie like yeah. without much studio and sam raimi's made what like 10 films yeah yeah you know what i mean and three of like which are spider-man movies to the, yeah, th- <laughs> yeah coming back to the superhero genre right um, like he, he does horror movies mostly so it's like yeah it's this whole thing 
But even um, then, when he did the original Spider-Man, and to a degree, when Brian Singer did the original X-Men, like those, he they were still established. True. Filmmakers. Um, True. I think that it's not great for an early filmmaker to get in deep with any of these superhero movies just because yeah. there's so much writing on it. If it's bad, everyone in the whole world's going to know it's bad. If you release a small indie movie that's not great, no one's going to know. If everybody, yeah. if you release Batman v Superman, everyone knows that's a shit movie. And that's <laughs> that. Like Zack Snyder has enough pull where he can kind of do whatever he needs yeah. to at this point. But if that wasn't Zack Snyder, I mean, I'm Matt Reeves is a is a big director, you know, established and everything. But I'm curious yeah. to see what happens with the Batman. With the Batman, yeah. Because you know, going back to doing ever since Nolan's Batman series, like going back to that almost feels taboo. And with a filmmaker that not as many people know of, obviously Matt Reeves has done a ton of stuff. But I, I would okay, yeah. Go ahead, sorry. No, I was just gonna say I'm I'm curious to see what happens with that. I would say I I would argue that the Batman looks much much darker than the Dark Knight trilogy. Oh yeah, more violent. Like it looks like the Batman is in that same vein of Joker. Yeah, you know, um, of like here's like a really dark kind of thing, and I I feel like that's also an interesting thing to sort of examine here is like. One of the things I hear a lot, and I don't know how much we can really talk about this, but one of the things I hear as a con against the superhero genre a lot is how toxic the communities around them can be. Yeah. Which, like, all you have to do is spend, like, 20 minutes on, like, the Marvel Reddit or something, and you're, like... Proves them you know, right. Like <laughs> The comments are just, like, how dare you, like, besmirch, yeah. like, you know, no, that frame means this. How dare, you know... If you think it means that, then go to hell. And they're like, it's literally just a frame of a building. Like, right. Like, um, <laughs> so like, that's the kind of thing that I think there's something to be said. If, if we're talking negative or positive on the film industry is, well, I guess what I'm, I'm leaning towards here is fan service is like, is fan service a thing that's beneficial or a negative to the film industry? Because Fan service can be done well, which I think without spoiling anything, like there's, you know, something to be said about No Way Home. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. Fan service can be a super negative, as you can see in. Hmm. I thought something would come to mind. Real Me quick. too. I don't really have much. I mean, I was thinking on the positive, like the Mandalorian would be another example of positive fan service sure. and everything that Star Wars is doing. Um Negative fan sir. I mean, you know what? A movie like Free Guy, that that would be Please. my example yeah. of negative fan service where it's literally just thrown in. To, Everything is just a reference to something else. Yeah, you're just like, oh, wow, okay, I know this, this, and this, and kids are going to go nuts because they yeah. saw that. And, like, that's, 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 yeah, that's a good example of bad yeah. fan service, I think. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. I don't think there's any argument to be made that, like, fan service is a benefit to the industry. No. Outside of fan service is going to put butts in seats and raise mm-hmm. your open. See, that's that becomes part of the question of like, what's the industry, money or filmmaking? Um, exactly. And well, like we've talked a lot about this year, uh, like earlier this year, about a lot of filmmakers who have kind of been naysayers about the whole, not just yeah. superhero genre, but blockbusters in general and what where the art form is going and i mean it is 
we're going down a path that doesn't make a lot of sense for films be like the longevity of films, like films that used to, you know, obviously we talk about movies from a hundred years ago that still mean something today, not because of their financial success, but because of what they meant to the film industry and what they meant to people. Um, And while I don't think there's any shortage of those movies, you know, it's to to give just like an example, the number one and sorry to interrupt the number one, highest grossing film still of all time if you adjust for inflation is gone with the wind from 1939 yep like so like yeah just to give a point of reference for everybody but like yeah i totally agree yeah and so if we're if we're thinking about again no one's gonna remember like the, the whole superhero thing is a flash in the pan type of thing where i don't think you know maybe People will they'll write about it. Obviously, the fact that this this whole era is happening, but the amount of impact that it's going to have on the filmmaking genre is, yeah. I think it's a lot more, it's a lot more minuscule than people are going to think it is, given the amount of financial success that's been coming out of it. Um, so. Well, and I think that that ties back to the communities thing that we were talking about. Is like there are so many people in the movie community i guess you'd say at this point yeah that don't want to hear about anything that's not a marvel movie yeah that that's their whole jam like and i like i push myself actively to not be one of those people who's like oh well i didn't see any of the oscar noms this year but did you guys see eternals like (laughs) you know like there are people out there that are like that that's just like that's their whole thing and you can't completely blame them because this stuff completely saturates pop culture you know and through no fault of you know the consumer like yeah i mean it's it's freaking disney the king of pop culture like literally it's literally what they do it's what they've done for 30 years you know yeah like i had a lion king stuffed animal when i was growing up like yeah you know yeah um so there's there's something to be said for like these tentpole things that overwhelm pop culture and diminish the role of like the rest of or not the role but diminish the impact of other films that are not necessarily as huge or as financially successful or as et cetera et cetera et cetera yeah mm-hmm Help me out, Josh. Say something. God. No, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. And I think it comes back to the fact that you have to separate what being successful in, ter- in the movie sphere really means to the industry. I mean, if they want to just send it and go full just capitalist and like we're just going to try and rake in as much as we can, then sure. But if they're concerned seriously about the longevity of what's going on, they can't just cater to the people who only want to see those movies. Yeah. Now it's the level of which they're going to say, "Okay, we're not going to devote a hundred or two hundred fifty million dollars to this. We're going to devote a hundred million dollars to this." Yeah. That's interesting to think about because do I think half these movies need to have two hundred fifty dollar two hundred fifty million dollar budgets? No, I, I don't know where it's all going a hundred a lot of it goes to like you know salary and post and you know all of that i feel like i feel like ant-man is the perfect example of that of like the ant-man movies don't need to be nearly as large as they are not even close no god no the avengers movies i'm like sure 200 million dollars to to put everyone in a movie okay fine 
But even Eternals, I'm like, I don't know what the budget on that. It must have been over 140, if not 150 million. Yeah. Like, there's no way it needed to be that expensive. And um, so I have two questions I want to dig into from here. Then, yeah. um, the first being, do you think the superhero genre keeps other non-superhero movies from being made? Do you think there are filmmakers who can't get something made because of because it won't make a hundred million dollars or it won't make a billion dollars. I'm sure that's a tough question. It is a tough question. And I'm, while I'm sure that that's true, I mean, Hollywood knows where they want to put their money. Like we, we talk about Chris Nolan a lot and yeah, I mean, tenant didn't perform well, but they still gave him the keys to the castle to make that movie that just makes no sense logically at all. It's just a ridiculous movie. And Tarantino still puts out movies that are between eighty and a hundred million dollars, and you know they'll they'll give Scorsese. Well, Scorsese kind of has to beg for it sometimes, but I don't think this is taking the spot of anything necessarily because I don't think that they believe they're only going to spend two hundred million if they're going to get a billion back. Like they're not going to yeah. spend two hundred million if they're going to get four hundred million back. That doesn't make any sense, really, especially when there's studios like A twenty four or Annapurna out there who are just going to give you fifteen to sixty million dollars and you get to make it. A movie that's entirely yours. Yeah. So I don't think it impacts it as much as as much as I would think it would. Like I, I just don't think they're like, oh, if you're not gonna do this, then we'll give it to someone else. I don't think that's the way it is. I think they're like upping the stakes as the profitability mar- as the profit margins get higher and higher. I yeah. think they're like, okay, three hundred million. You're gonna make us two billion. So f- let's go <laughs> yeah, for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Well, and that's the kind of thing, and I think that ties back to what we were saying earlier with like Koli Zhao and Kathy Yan. Like mm-hmm. they're they're not sourcing filmmakers that have done nothing. Right. You know what I mean? This is not like this is not like entry level filmmaking. God no. Which is no. a term that I just said and immediately left a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> I mean, you know. Like, oh, but like, there's so know much what, yeah. baggage to unpack in that phrase that, like, we yeah. can do another episode. But totally. like, it's not like, you know, I don't th- like if you're a filmmaker and you start out and you make a great film, mm-hmm. and you have no interest. So, like, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like, let's take Chloe Zhao for like an example. Okay, sure. if she had literally no interest in making. Eternals it had yeah. doesn't want do it like it's not like we're never going to see another Chloe Zhao movie no no you know what I mean like she did Eternals and that raised her profile although it's interesting that um Nomadland raised her profile more than Eternals ever could have yeah um, totally but if you're a filmmaker coming up and you have no interest in making a Marvel movie i don't think that just stops you from being a successful filmmaker no no i think there's still again this is one that's like debatable if you like don't want to be a blockbuster filmmaker sure sure but now we're just getting into like the nuances of being a filmmaker and like selling out versus staying true to your passion and etc the you know the eternal struggle of yeah of all that yeah but it comes down to like again what you define. It's 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 funny because we're trying to define this, but it's like, what does each individual filmmaker define as yeah. being a success? Because like it's so interesting that we're talking about Chloe Zhao because she did both. She literally did one best yeah. picture 
and then did a Marvel movie. Like that's a, yeah. that hasn't happened before. And we saw that it's like critically, she's respected by the Academy and filmmakers. Financially, yeah. she relatively is still respected because she made, you know, a five hundred million dollar movie, you know, or a three hundred two hundred million dollar movie that made five hundred million dollars or whatever. Yeah. So well, and Eternal like she was doing Eternals long before she won the Academy Award for Nomadland. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Which is very interesting. But oh that leads me to another question of like, oh, did her attitude change once it like she won Best Picture and she was like, oh, I could do whatever. That's a I whole want other to. conversation. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but so basically, success is measured very interestingly in the film industry because you can either yeah. go a hundred percent. Because I think Avatar is not a good movie. I, I think that's an unpopular opinion, but I f- literally, I'm with I just, you. I walked out of that movie going like, this brought nothing to the table. Like, sure, the visual effects, but when I saw it, I was like, who knows? And I just, it didn't make that much of an impact on me. Um, well, and so to, to sidebar for just a second, but like, yeah. and we've said probably a dozen times now, like we could have a whole episode on Avatar, but like and yeah, <laughs> Avatar, I think very neatly wraps up kind of what we're talking about of like mm-hmm. from a term, from a, from a view of storytelling, et cetera, weak. Yeah. Like it's I trendy. said it. Yeah. Like weak from a, a view of aesthetics and technical prowess and like visual whatnot. And then yeah. also its relevance in pop culture. Yeah. Gangbusters. You know Insane. what I mean? Like there's something to be said for the fact that we're what, 12 years past Avatar at this point. Mm-hmm. And I can say Avatar and everyone knows exactly what I'm talking about. Right, right. And there's two you know major I mean? franchises that are called Avatar yeah. and people still know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's one of those. And like people are going to show up for the other three because it's like it's part of that cultural fabric. And that's like yeah. that's where I feel like what we're looking for is is hidden somewhere of. Yeah. Excellent filmmaking versus pop culture relevance. Right. Because like financially, sure, whatever. But like, yeah, the financial stuff always only shows up if it hits that pop culture relevance which is literally what spider-man no way home is yeah like that is a that is the king of pop culture relevance yes and also great filmmaking and also great filmmaking yeah or at least clean filmmaking where you don't feel like it's missing anything. It, yeah. it, it didn't have as much pop as you'd like, but it's a, it's exactly what you would think it would be. You yeah. Know? Well, and it's, that, okay. Yeah. And that's it. it well, I don't want, <laughs> I'm like, we're, we're getting into there and I'm like, I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> be like, Oh yeah. When, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not going to do that right now. When iron fist shows up and yeah. <laughs> totally punches the vulture through the time space continuum. Yes. Totally a thing that happens in the movie. Yes, um, definitely. <laughs> Good Lord. Can you yeah. imagine if Iron Fist was in Spider-Man? Oh, no my good God. Of all the things, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the characters. Jesus Christ. Wow. Um, so let's let's wrap it back here for a second. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we've hit four major points. I think, I think so. I'm also and- very aware. I feel like I should say, dear listener, at one point I said, pause. I have two things. And then we only talked about one, and I don't remember what the other one was at this point. So, like, I'm not going to hit that other thing if you were waiting. 
You got to go with us on this. You can stop listening (laughs) if you're waiting for my second point of, but just cut it out um, right now. Yes. So I feel like we've got kind of four things going on here. We've got financial success, Mm -hmm. which I think is undeniably like, yeah, it's great for the film industry. If you're Mm -hmm. talking about like what's going to make the film industry money. Yeah. Superheroes. Totally. That'll change. Yeah. Marvel will make three bad movies in a row at some point. Kevin Feige will retire and then exactly (laughs) drown in sorrow. Exactly. Um, So financial. Yes. Uh, Filmmaking wise. Good for um, good or bad for the industry. I think that one's a clear maybe. Maybe it's it's a yes and a no on different. It depends on the filmmaker. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Some, I, ooh, I don't like this, but because it kind of puts the, but like some filmmakers are, some filmmakers are built for it and some are not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which um, is, which doesn't deter yeah. from their quality of filmmaking. No. Um, no. So financial. <laughs> Sean Baker, uh, like a Marvel property, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be a very different Marvel movie. And Woody Allen. Yeah. Um, like I don't know why God. that came to mind, but like Jesus oh my Christ. Oh God, holy shit. Um, financial filmmaking, I feel like cultural is a thing cultural, we're hitting yep. here. There has to be something that ties into the the pop culture zeitgeist. Yeah. Um, which is like, that depends on the viewer, I think. Totally. Of like your relationship with pop culture and like yeah, where you land on that because like, Everyone has a different relationship to pop culture. Totally. I love Britney Spears. A ton of people hate Britney Spears. Yeah. Just the way it is. That's all it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's the viewer's preference. Yeah. And then I feel like I had a fourth thing, but I feel like those those pretty much sum up the four things. Three things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, again, guys, we're working through this. We we, we didn't know this where is, we were going to come out at the end. Yeah. We, <laughs> b- before we started recording, we were like, how are we having this debate? Yeah. <laughs> it, like, made me kind of wish I took, like, I was part of the debate team in high school, but, like, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't, so. So this is know. it. This is yeah, our, this is our debate team. Can yeah, I, I, let's, can we, can we tag on one little small thing here that I want to ask? Sure. Do you think, and this, oh, this can be number four. Here we go. Do you think the superhero genre and the MCU, et cetera, has had a positive or a negative effect on storytelling? Oh, very interesting. I think it has had, overall, I think it's had a negative impact on storytelling because it is so shaped the way, and I don't have an issue with the way that they're told, but it has shaped the way that we perceive movies now in such Mm -hmm. a way. And we talked about this before, but not just with the Easter eggs, but the stingers at the end, like it has completely changed the way culture, like society has, has consumed movies for better. Let me ask ask you this. Did you watch all the way to the end of the matrix to see if there was a stinger? You know what? No, I watched about like halfway through. No, is there? No. Oh, okay, okay. No, I didn't watch all the way to the end of it, no. But, like, that's, like, okay, well, I did, because I was like, well... Just in case. <laughs> I, You know, it's yeah. a franchise. There might be a stinger. Like, yeah. And the thing I think with the storytelling is the, um, well, this is established previously, so you don't mm-hmm. need to think about it. Ah, uh, you know? yes. Good Here's point. 
Captain America is in this. You know who Captain America is. I don't have to do 10 minutes on the back or the origin of Captain America. I can just say, yeah. yep, here he is. And you're like, okay. Yeah. And it, that ties into we what it. we were talking about in the beginning of, yeah, there's like a ton of homework with all of these movies these days. Yeah. You know, you can't not watch one because, I mean, like, I guess this isn't spoilers, maybe spoilers for what if kind of, but I guess, yeah. But like, there's the whole thing with the, the other Dr. Strange and the Dr. Strange multiverse of madness trailer. That's like, yeah, you could possibly just take it for whatever it is, but there's more to that character than just what's on the screen. Yeah. Um, so it's like that to me is kind of a, a shift in, storytelling and like yeah. how you know like uh an up-and-coming screenwriter or someone like that is gonna like frame what they do of like and i don't know if it's like oh well i'll pull in something from another thing or i'll write a spec script about matrix seven or mm -hmm. you know a, a variation right. or something on that which is probably what the whole what if series is but probably um but there's something to be said for like yeah that's what's expected culturally yeah, that's kind of what Hollywood's going to say makes money. So it's like the storytelling, the style of storytelling is shifting around that because it's what the industry is wanting. So I feel like that's our four yeah. tiers. We totally. got to the fourth tier. We did. We did it. So we got money, filmmaking, pop culture and storytelling. Storytelling. Yeah. So money, yay. Filmmaking, maybe. Yeah. Uh, pop culture, yeah, maybe. Maybe. And storytelling. storytelling, maybe. Okay. I would say storytelling, the way that I perceive it is storytelling as a nay, just because now people are going to, like the originality of stories is going to start changing because people are already going to be thinking about, okay, how can I turn this yeah. into something bigger? Or how can I attach this to something pre-existing? Yeah. I miss original storytelling, man. Like, you know. I'm not going to lie. I almost feel like, and this is dangerously close to what Martin Scorsese was suggesting, but oh, no. I almost feel like we're in like two different kind of industries going on of like, yeah. there's like the superhero franchise blockbuster industry. Yeah. And then like for all of the, that hugeness, there is still that's like Nomadland still exists. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like pig still exists. Like, yes. All of these small, incredible films still exist and are still being made. And it's right. just like, I can't imagine a world where we'll, we'll say pig. Um, if you sure. haven't seen pig, go see pig. Yeah, but I can imagine in a world where anyone who's involved with the making of pig is also involved with the making of Avengers Endgame. Right, right, right. And maybe totally possible, but like but those are two different separate mentalities and it's it's honestly it's like you look at art or you look at like painting and like yeah, it's pop art versus impression impressionism? Impressionalism? Impre Expression expressionist? I don't know. I I felt like I was making such a nice point until I just totally <laughs> couldn't remember what the fucking word was um sure. impressionalism i think Impress is what i was going for sure yeah um but like it's just it's two completely different kinds of art yeah 
and ooh, this will be a nice point to bring it home to. <laughs> but like, that's a thing that like filmmaking's young. It can be multiple things, guys. Yes, it's not just this. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and- have superhero movies had a positive or a negative impact on the film industry? I think they've just evolved the film yeah. industry. Is totally. that fair to say? I think you're 100% right. And obviously COVID has changed things, but this is the trajectory it was going on. And yeah, it's a great point. And and if you're if you're struggling to find things to watch in the theater, I mean, just look harder. I don't know what to tell you. There's yeah. There's been three Marvel movies in theaters and like a hundred other movies that yeah. are incredible that are running right now up against No Way Home. Yeah. So go watch Come On, Come On or go watch, you know, Belfast is still playing. Go watch Dune, you know, the, these movies are still there. So that's the you have to get I'm past like, it's, it's there. <laughs> yeah, you have to get past the it. pop culture echo chamber is really exactly. what it is. Yeah, like yeah, all the Marvel dudes show up on the late night shows or show up on you know whatever you're watching on YouTube. Like, yeah. but those other movies are still out there. Nightmare Alley. If you want to see them, go 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 find them. Yeah, pig, pig, pig. Freaking uh, power of the dog. I mean, there's just no, there's no shortage of incredible movies this year, and I, I think this year has been more one of those years that people are like, ah, eh, there's nothing on. I'm like, that's just yeah. not true. Oh, we're I've getting seen... another Matrix movie. Right, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like that's one that it came out the same day as a Licorice Pizza, so I don't want to hear yeah. anything about. Oh, there's nothing good playing, yeah. and don't look up. You know, so it's like, not that yeah. don't look up is good, but you know. <laughs> It's unique. It's original. Yes. Fair. Fine. Whatever. Uh, and wow, we did it. We've done it. Did that make any sense, dear listener? I hope it did. I hope it did, too. I hope it didn't confuse you further. Or maybe I do. Maybe it helps you think, you know? <laughs> I hope it challenged your perception. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about that. If you're all about, uh, If you're all about the indie films, go see a superhero movie. See what it's like. If you're all about the superhero movies, go watch Pig. <laughs> exactly. Please, yeah. for the love of God, go watch Pig. <laughs> um, should we do recommendations, Willis? Yeah. Let's do it. Cool. Um, do you want to go first? Yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> well, so uh, our can, theme can... for this week, uh, our theme for this week, we've we've started doing a different kind of vibe on what our recommendations are going to be and our theme for this week it being the last week of 2021 is your favorite movie of 2021 yeah um so normally right now i would go hey josh what do you got but i guess that's already been thrown to me so my (laughs) favorite movie of 2021 probably to no one's surprise is pig um i am absolutely blown away by this movie i you know it, it got me to do a uh a letterboxed Yes, a letter. It got me to do a letterbox review. We got um, him, everyone. He finally did true. a second one. <laughs> I know, and I'm kind. I'm getting into it. I'm getting into it, guys. Yes, it's dangerous. Yes, um, but Nicolas Cage in a very small movie. There's like five characters in the whole thing, and yeah. like only two of them are in it for more than a few minutes. Yep. Absolutely brilliant filmmaking. Absolutely. Amazing acting. Talk about a guy that hits all four points of the that we just blocked out. Oh my god! Yeah, of like financial filmmaking, uh, pop culture, and storytelling. Like Nicolas Cage is 
all over that. Yeah, that spectrum. he is. Um, yes. <laughs> it's one of those things watching pig. You're like, Oh yes. Nicholas cage is a fucking fantastic actor. Yes. Yes. Like for all, for all his shit in like all his movies, he's fucking fantastic. Yeah. Deep down in there, he's got real chops. Yeah. So that is my recommendation. It is streaming on Hulu, I believe, still. It should be. Um, um, let me let me double check. Oh, you know what's funny is this movie also hits that kind of thing where people are like, oh, it's the John Wick of this genre. So I'm like, it also hits that kind of pop cultural relevance thing where it's yeah. like, oh, it's this, but it's not. And so I think that got a lot of other people to watch it too. And they were like, oh, no shit, this is a good fucking movie. Like, <laughs> Oh, that's a really interesting concept of like, pop culture like large pop culture franchises informing yeah. smaller mm. Ooh, i'm gonna have to chew on that <laughs> uh josh what's your recommendation for this week for the your last recommendation of 2021 my last my last recommendation of the year uh and i will preface this but i have by saying i have not seen spencer have not seen red rocket have not seen come on come on nor liquor's pizza so this is where my list stands as of right now my favorite movie of this year was Jane Campion's The Power of the Dog. Um, this movie yeah. was, I didn't know much about Jane Campion before this, which was mm-hmm. sucked. I mean, I'd seen the piano in film school, but other than that, I had no like real recollection of any of her work. And this movie was kind of the perfect storm of a genre that I don't necessarily find myself like exploring a lot which is these kind of slow burn western films it's not one of my the things that i you know watch a lot of mixed with like a true character study of the way that like not just the patriarchy but just how men operate in 2021 Mm -hmm. and back in whenever this film was was taking place that just struck such a weird chord with me where i'm like I think there's two women in this movie total, one of them being Kirsten Dunst, the other one being um, Thomas and Mackenzie. And both of them play such an outside role that it really makes you sit there and think about what these guys are having to go through culturally as well as in their own mental, like their headspace. And I just thought it was so well done. It made me think so, so fucking much. The cinematography is out of this world. The music is unbelievable. And regardless of how slow this movie was, it kept me on the edge of my seat to the very end, to the point where I was like, oh, this is going in directions I never thought it was going to go. Oh, this is going to make me think about how the ending is going to like impact everything else. Have you seen it, by the way? I haven't. Okay. I'm glad I didn't go into anything crazy spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> nice save. Um, but no, I, I absolutely adored this movie. Uh, four and a half out of five stars for me. It's it's just, it's incredible. And I'm and this got me into watching pretty much all the Jane Campion stuff. And I'm just like, yes, Bright Star, Excellent. give it to me. It's fucking fire. Like, let's go. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, two really good ending recommendations yeah. that had nothing to do with Marvel. <laughs> nothing to do, nothing. Not even close. close. (laughs) You couldn't get farther away, I think. Besides the fact that Cumberbatch is in this. That's the only thing. (laughs) And also the Ghost Rider. (laughs) And Kirsten Dunst and the Ghost Rider. Okay, fine. You know what? There's a lot of going back and forth. but (laughs) Yeah. There's three different franchises involved here, but it's fine. Oh, man. Uh, Awesome. Wow. So I don't know. I I feel like we found an answer, but also like not like which is how this episode was always going to end. But yeah. I don't think there is um, an answer. It's too. Yeah. We need to fig- We need to see more before we can make an honest, accurate assessment of how this is going to keep your minds open, everybody. Exactly. Yes. 
Yes. Josh, where can people find you on the internet? People can find me on the internet uh, on Instagram at Josh J. Fuller. You can find me on Twitter at Josh Fuller 33. Fuller is spelt with no E. You can also find me on Letterboxd. Uh, I think you should just type in Josh Fuller, although there, I put a just type in Josh Fuller. You'll see my face and it's there. So, <laughs> And uh, where can people find Because our you podcast with? listeners know what you look like. Uh, oh, good call. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, you gotta find him on Instagram. Then you can see his profile picture, and then compare. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on the internet on Instagram and Twitter at Will's Film, also on Letterbox at Will's Film, where I have doubled my reviews uh, in the mm. past two weeks, um, from one to two. And if you want to find the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at Pixel Splitters. You can find us on Twitter at Pixel Split Pod. And you can find us on Letterbox at Pixel Splitters, and we would love to hear from you. Feel free yes. to tweet, yeah, Instagram, review, follow, subscribe, send bell. us a fax. Yeah, I don't have a fax machine. I don't either. Don't send us a fax. Yeah, if you can figure out how to send us a fax, please send us a fax. I what would love to f- just be sitting somewhere one day and be like, "Am I getting a fax right now?" <laughs> it just um, comes through. <laughs> Yeah, just like slowly, like the on my phone, just like but like the same like inch by inch kind of thing. Um, wow. Yes. Yeah. Because we always thought we'd end this episode talking about faxes. Talking about faxes. Uh, yeah. Do us a favor. Uh, do those subscribes, five stars, leave us a review, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we yes. love to hear from you guys. Um, yeah. Theoretically, we would love to hear from you guys. If we ever heard from you guys, hey, you don't have to. Uh, you don't have to admit that to anyone. You know. Yeah, yeah. You don't <laughs> have to tell anyone you follow Pixel Splitters. Just um, do it for us. <laughs> and now we hit the point where the music's probably been playing for too long. So I'm going to uh-huh. say, Josh, it's good to talk to you as always, my man. I will see you in 2022, where we will yeah. not do a special episode. We will just go back to our format. And uh, exactly. Maybe not. Maybe we'll see. Keep you on the edge of your seat, guys. Yes. Thanks for listening, everybody. Josh, I'll talk to you next week, my man. Alrighty. Later. Later.